The best part of my job is connecting with incredible women. I can't even begin to tell you how amazing my community is. Talking to my followers through messages and connecting with them on a personal level is the most rewarding thing that has come out of this. These women are so kind and loving, and many have given me incredible advice, stories of loss, stories of gain. Some have challenged me, and many have made me want to be better. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Excited for this one today. We have Banina, also known as Belkanina and Nina. Nina and I became Instagram friends. And then back in March, she actually shared an episode of herself podcast on her famous Sunday confessions. I remember watching her story and I loved how funny she was and what she shared. So I'm really excited for listeners to get to know her better. But let's start by having you introduce yourself for us, Nina. Thank you so much, Amy and Abby, for inviting me. I'm seriously so excited. I feel like I'm talking to celebrities right now. Um, I'm so humbled to be sitting here with you guys inter- being interviewed by you two who have interviewed like amazing women. So my name is Benina, and everyone in my life calls me Nina. And the, I'm the face behind Balkanina on Instagram and also Balkanina the blog. I guess you can call me a social influencer or a content creator. I don't really know. I think it's such a new term. So people just call me whatever they want. A little background about me. I was born in Bosnia. And just before the Bosnian War in the early 90s, my mom fled the country. And we lived in Germany as refugees. And um, they, they wanted to send us back home when the war was over, quote unquote. But when a war happens in a country, it's it's not like you're going back to your normal life. So that's, uh, we didn't really have anything to go back to. So my mom applied for American residency. And as refugees of war, we were granted the greatest gift in my eyes, which is coming to America. Um, we initially came to Chicago and then moved to Southern Wisconsin. And I went to college for nursing. And currently I work as an ER nurse. And over the past six or more years, I started to dabble in blogging because of my love for, I don't know, I think I just have that personality of wanting to share and teach and inspire people. Um, And I initially started blogging with home decor and DIY. I I also love to write. A little bit about my family. I have an incredible husband. His name is Tom which, uh, Amy, he reminds me so much of Drew. (laughs) Like he literally talked to you about his lawn all day. Um, I have a little boy's name is Dominic and then a little girl on the way coming in March. Oh, which is coming so soon. We're going to get into everything she just talked about. I think it's really interesting when you follow someone because I started to piece Nina's life together by what she shared. Um, But we only see our side of the lens. So 
we're excited that we can kind of piece her story together because it's very interesting. You know, being born in Bosnia, she speaks three languages, came to America as a refugee of war. I know, Nina, your parents divorced at a very young age. I would just love to hear a little bit more about your upbringing and how you feel like it shaped you into the person and the parent that you are today. Yeah, for sure. So I really believe that my upbringing has shaped who I am as a person. If you asked me 20 years ago, I would have never, um, I would have never said that. <laughs> I, I would have been bitter at the fact that I had a single mom who worked three jobs. Um, I never had the nicest and coolest clothes or things. In fact, I lived in hand-me-downs until probably mid-high school. I had no father in my life, and I was just a young girl with an accent trying to fit into an American culture. Fast forward to now, my accent has almost completely dissolved, and so has my bitterness. At age 32, I feel so grateful to have lived the life that my mom has been able to provide us. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Pregnancy hormones. <laughs> Actually, I cry at this story every time. Um she has truly taught me to be compassionate, empathetic, grateful, hardworking, and always humble for all the things I have, especially the clothes on my back and the roof over my head. Um, I think about all the wonderful people who have helped us along the way. And I want to be like them, you know, <laughs> I want to be like those people. Um, I want to change lives. And I want to spread love and acceptance. And most importantly, I want to be a voice for families and strong women. <laughs> Sorry, I was not planning. Oh, I'm crying. So I don't have a, I don't have a tissue. <laughs> <laughs> but Nina, you do. You do all of that. And it sounds like your mom's an incredible human being. And you grew up with just some really supportive people in your life. And the fact that you're able to take on all those pieces and build into your personality. Like we see that. We feel that every single day following along on your journey. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. You mentioned the pregnancy hormones. We have to ask you about your pregnancy. <laughs> it has been a journey to get to this point. You had a miscarriage and then some really tough, some really unexpected news. Um, I wanted your early ultrasounds. I remember connecting with you personally on that um, as you went through just the tests and the procedures and figuring out who this baby girl is. Just talk to us about this journey, the highs, the lows, and how this pregnancy is going. Yeah. So um, it's so hard. Sometimes it's hard to live your life openly on social media because people constantly are waiting for your next move. I never feel obligated to share anything, but this past year, like it has been for many, was a really dark year for me. I got pregnant with my son instantly a few years ago, and I felt grateful for that. And of course, like most women, I had this vision of how my family should look. It took us almost a year to get pregnant with our second child, the one I'm pregnant with currently, and that took a big toll on my mental health, and it tested many aspects of my relationship with my husband. And I had a lot of bitterness toward people who just didn't get it. Um, when we did get pregnant, we lost our, um, we had a miscarriage before I before I got pregnant with this baby. And I never in a million years thought I would be in that position or in that category. I was not prepared and it felt like such a dark time, but I truly believe it was a sign from God in the universe that something had had to change. Um, I didn't really share our fertility journey or loss on social media right away. 
I had to pretend like life was normal and dandy because when you work on social media as your job, showing up is the most important role. And once I did share the news, I was flooded with love and kindness. Um, I could I could physically feel the calm over my body because the thousands of women were lifting me up and praying for me. Um, so we decided to stop trying so hard to make a vision of how my family should look. I left in the hands of God, and by the grace of Him, we got pregnant literally like two months later. Pregnancy after loss hasn't been as joyous, I would say. First of all, it's very hard to share such a happy time with thousands of women who literally just told you about their loss and infertility. Um, And every step of this pregnancy has been pretty scary for me. I haven't been able to look forward to the ultrasounds because every time I go, I think about all the things that could go wrong. Um, I think in the last probably few weeks, I started to connect with baby girl and I kept telling myself, okay, if I can make it to this many weeks, I know she's viable and I know, and I know that she would survive if something were to happen, you know, like I I would tell myself, like, if I can make it this far, then I can keep going. Um, Early on in pregnancy, I had two different tests that suggested an increased risk for trisomy 13 and 18. And this is where um, Abby and I connected. Um, This was soul crushing news to me. And I've had hundreds of women share the same scenario with me since I shared my story, um, asking me for guidance and mental care. um, Because, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal to the people around you because you don't really know how it feels unless you're going through it or that's how I feel anyway. I couldn't breathe for two weeks um, until I got my final results. And finally, the third test was quote unquote negative for chromosomal abnormalities. Um, But it suggested that there could be problems with my placenta in the third trimester. So which is why, which is one of the big reasons why I feel like this pregnancy is scary for me because I just entered the third trimester and I know that this is when the things could get bad for me. I don't feel like I'm out of the woods, but I also feel like mentally I'm a lot healthier than I was a month or two ago. Um, Many days I love feeling her kick, but equally as many days I wish I could just wake up to the day she's in my arms, healthy and happy. You know, I still think about Oh God, what if, you know, what if I don't get to hold a happy and healthy baby? And I know those are such dark thoughts, but I, they're real and they're true, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at there. And I just want to thank you for sharing all that with us, because I think a lot of times pregnancy can be thought of as this joyous occasion and a joyous time in someone's life. But behind the scenes, there can be a lot of things that happen that make it harder on women, especially on their mental health, than we can see on Instagram sometimes. So I think that was an important part of your story to tell. Um, I know you're navigating through all of this. And as we touched on like that, it can be really hard when you're an influencer, because what do you bring into your storyline? And what do you need to process privately before you share about it? Staying on the 
influencer life. One of our listeners, Jenny, she wanted to know how you got started. So take us back. You're an ER nurse living in Wisconsin and you're thinking, let me start something on the side. Yeah. It's so funny how it all started. Um, I think it's between six and eight years ago when I started, it was, it was nothing like it is now. Um, like I said earlier, I started my blog because I wanted to share how Tom and I update our first home, aka DIY and home decor. Um, if you scroll down far enough on my Instagram or go to my blog, uh, you'll see posts from way back when of my home and perfectly staged living rooms and kitchens. And my house would never look like that in a million years now. <laughs> I bet no one even knew what I looked like back then. You, I didn't really show my face. I didn't talk to anybody. So as the years went by and our family started to grow, I naturally transitioned into lifestyle and now motherhood. So I guess I would categorize myself as a motherhood lifestyle influencer. And more recently, social media has become a full-time job for me, and I still can't believe it. It's absolutely surreal to wake up every day and your job is to talk to your friends on the internet. Um, Becoming an influencer was never something I really planned to do. In fact, I think that term is new in the past few years. I, I truly feel that everyone has an influence on people. Every single person has an influence, and it's really just what you bring to the table that inspires people that can make you um, an influencer, I guess, in the social world. Um, It's so much bigger for me now. My platform has grown with me as I have grown myself. And I love that it happened naturally. And I started it as a fun hobby and a job. I, it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like a job to me. It genuinely feels like something that I was meant to do. Well, and as somebody who's part of your community, you can tell that it doesn't feel forced. It's so authentic. You are so inspiring. I need to scroll down now to check out some of those DIY. (laughs) Oh, the transformations. I'm always so impressed with them since I do not have a knack for that. But what, what are some of the best and worst parts of your influencer job? Which, by the way, congratulations now that it is a major job and career path for you. Tell us all the pieces of this. I want to know the insights. Well, thank you, first of all. Um, Second of all, the best part of my job is connecting with incredible women. I can't even imagine um, or I can't even begin to tell you how amazing my community is. Talking to my followers through messages and connecting with them on a personal level is the most most rewarding thing that has come out of this. And I think both of you can relate on that, too. Um, These women are so kind and loving And many have given me incredible advice, stories of loss, stories of gain. Some have challenged me and many have made me want to be better. So that is absolutely the best part is these internet friendships. Um, The worst part is finding a balance between work and play. So my phone is in my hands nonstop. I've talked to Amy about this, actually. It's hard to separate the constant scrolling and connecting from my personal life. People get offended when I don't respond to their messages or if I don't do what they ask, but I literally feel like I can't do it all. I'm a one woman show. Um, I do all my emails, messages, posts, pictures, captions, and so much more. It's hard for me to let people down. I actually just this week hired a manager who is going to be taking over like the emails and content calendar, which is going to be huge for me. Um, it's, it's definitely something that I'm not good at is keeping organized and 
um, letting people down in emails. And <laughs> that's the, like the back end of the job that people don't see is a lot of emails negotiating and standing up for yourself and your value. And it's definitely something I'm working on. Yeah. And I can totally relate to the, like the part of it of having to have a certain level of organization and like, know when you have to get your content up is a big job. And I can't believe that you're, you were still all on your own until this point because you have grown so, so much. Um, and then I just wanted to comment on the phone thing because I have told Nina, like, I've totally been there. I still am there. But I had to get to, to a point where I was like, my community is going to have to understand if I can't get back to every single message because then I wouldn't be being the mom and the wife that I want all of them to be if I, if I felt tied to answering every single thing. But just like Nina, like I love my community so much. So it's a really tricky balance. And right on the same subject line, I have to ask you about Sunday confessionals. Um, because it has been such a big hit for you. I watch it every Sunday. And I can't believe how many people share about these things that you, I don't know, you just don't really hear about like threesomes and all of these things. Um, so I have to ask, did you think that it was going to become such a hit? Uh, no, not really. It it started almost two years ago. Um, I think actually about two years ago now. Um, I was getting a pedicure and I saw, I was watching, you know, scrolling Instagram and I saw a bunch of girls posting, tell me your secrets in a box and I'll share them anonymously. It was super trendy that week. So I did it too. And it was a major hit. Um, and I think part of the reason people love Sunday confessions is because of my response and reaction to them. Um, anybody can tell anybody a secret and we can share it on our screen, but it's truly about like, I think people just like the response. Um, so people were asking me if I could make this a weekly thing. So I decided to make it a weekly segment on my page and I chose Sun. I don't know why I chose Sundays. It just happened to be the day I chose. Um, and it made such a big hit with people. They were submitting secrets and confessions and people were relating to them. A lot of people were messaging saying, wow, I feel like normal. I feel like I can relate to these things. And a lot of things that people don't talk about openly or even to their best friend. Um, I feel like it's given people an outlet in a safe place, a judgment, a judgment free zone. Um, for the most part, I personally don't support cheating, but I try not to judge the person in this situation. Um, I can't believe what it has become. It has connected me with so many women. Um, I get to find out who's pregnant first. <laughs> I get to pray for people. I get to ask my community to help others. And most recently, one of my followers who had submitted a secret about suicide. <laughs> this is going to make me cry. Um, she had uh, posted about suicide and having suicidal thoughts. And content like that can get extremely heavy for me right. because I feel I have a responsibility to help her. So I connected with her directly. I offered her my help. Um, I gave her resources, phone numbers, and I talked to her. And months, la months later, she messaged me to tell me that I was her guardian angel. Um, she said she got help and she sees a therapist and she's a better mom. And just, wow, like what? You know, I made this fun 
um, outlet for people and it turned into, it's turning into something a lot bigger. Um, when someone does submit a dark or difficult secret secret or uh, confession, I try my hardest without overstepping my boundary to reach out, connect, or at least provide resources for the community. I don't know if you watched my last Sunday's confession. Of course I did. A lot of, a lot of heavy things with um, mental health. So I try to connect people. I try to provide resources, uh, prayer, you know, just kind of being a resource and available for them. And then a lot of my followers will give resources and advice to I've heard, I've learned so much from people on Sunday confessions. Like, I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but just about um, last Sunday or a few Sundays ago, somebody shared about how it is absolutely awful for you to wash your lady parts with soap. (laughs) Just like things like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, And then through you guys, I got connected with Vanessa the sex therapist and she got to do confession takeover with me. And that was a huge hit. Um, according to her and a bunch of messages, she's helped literally, she's literally helped many marriages that came from my account um, because of her support and help and whatnot. So it has definitely evolved into something amazing. Yeah. And I love how dynamic it is. So sometimes, you know, it's about someone farting while they're in a (laughs) position with their husband that that would be awkward. But sometimes it is touching on these things like mental health, which we need to talk about. It's talking about sex, which we need to talk about. And And the fact that you can pair them with someone like Vanessa and help their marriage, help their intimacy, like, I don't know, I don't want to understate how important that is. And we just wanted to take a quick break to let you know that this podcast episode is sponsored by our good friends over at Gooder. These sunglasses are amazing because I love them the most because they're very, very affordable while being stylish and you can wear them for things like a boat day, going on a run, pretty much anything. So they definitely keep up with my life. So you guys can head over to their website, which is gooder, G-O-O-D-R dot com. And if you use the code herself, you will get 15% off. So grab a pair, take a picture, tag us both in it. We would love to see you guys in your gooder sunglasses. Now, I have to tell you, one of my favorite, favorite parts is when (laughs) Tom comes on and reacts to different confessions. I have to know, what does he think about your influencer life? And does he still not have Instagram himself? (laughs) He hasn't. (laughs) Okay, so Tom is super quiet and he's not big into social media. Once you get talking to him, he won't stop talking. But years ago, I couldn't even get him to pose in a photo with me for Instagram. And now he actually will show up in my stories. I think he's just become more comfortable over the years. I do respect his boundaries. I used to get mad at him when he wouldn't participate in my shenanigans. But I've just learned that he'll never be what I exactly want him to be. And he's not like me. And he balances me perfectly. So I feel like, I mean, that's why I married the guy. So... I'm okay with respecting his boundaries around Instagram. Um, He's always a big hit when I have him on stories. Sundays are not. He's just like this awkward um, old man humor. (laughs) 
<laughs> dry humor. He's sarcastic. He says it like it is. He's truly like, he's such a caring person, but he says it like it is. He's my biggest supporter. And he would literally bend over backwards to help me with anything. He's constantly telling me he's proud of me and that he supports my dreams. Um, and he doesn't really, I don't, he does not watch my stories <laughs> or read my posts. But he does have an Instagram that I made him create so he can, quote, like my sponsored content. (laughs) (laughs) You need that one extra heart, right? (laughs) I need you to like this picture. (laughs) Oh, Tom. Well, he's a lot of things. I would not think of him as being awkward, though. He is so funny on Sunday Confessions. And then whenever you're on a road trip together and he chimes in, like those are definitely some of my favorite conversations. (laughs) No. So switching gears, I mean, like really, we're going to really switch gears here. So people want to know what is gentle parenting and why does it feel in alignment with you guys? Okay. So I get this question a lot. Um, and I, I first want to say I'm not a professional. I've literally adopted this in the last couple of years as I've become a mom. Um, so to me, gentle parenting is a brand name for authoritative parenting authoritative parenting is a style or approach to child rearing that combines warmth. This is literally a Google, like I'm reading to you what Google says about it. It combines warmth, sensitivity, and the setting of limits. Parents use positive reinforcement and reasoning to guide children. They avoid resorting to threats or punishment. Okay. So to me, that sounds like I want a parent and I feel like that's, Sounds like a wonderful way for anyone to parent. I was actually, um, I think most people in our generation maybe (laughs) were raised by authoritarian style parenting, which is more of the strict and stern. It insists on unquestioned obedience and enforces good behavior through threats, shaming, and other punishments. Um, So as defined by psychologists, it's also a style associated with less parental warmth and responsiveness. And that's definitely how I was raised. And not to say, obviously, I have an amazing mother and not to say that, you know, she was an awful parent, but I think authoritarian is definitely the more strict, like I'm the boss. Um, But I truly believe we all want to be a good parent and we parent the way that we do because of what we know. And we can only do the things that we know. (laughs) The beauty of it is, um, is by learning about it. So being open and learning Uh, about different ways to communicate with our children is absolutely free. I knew that I wanted to raise an emotionally confident child that knows he can come to me for anything. Um, I'm open about and often share about my own anxiety and need for constant assurance. And I believe that part of it is because of how my emotions were suppressed as a child. So that's something I often talk about on social media. I talk about why gentle parenting is important to me and the big part of that is because I feel like I didn't have that outlet as a child, but also know that there are limits and boundaries. Um, This is as far as Dominic goes. I want him to know that there are limits and boundaries that he is to follow. Toddlers are the greatest being there are. And I know that sounds crazy. People think toddlers are crazy, but I think their brains are just so cool. Does he drive me crazy every single day? But I also know that his brain is two years old and mine is 32 years old. And I feel like I owe it to him to model the type of person I would want him to be as he gets older. Wow. You even just saying that, 
I'm like wanting to go and snuggle my two-year-old right now because you, you're so right. Like they can be crazy. They can drive us crazy, but there's so much that we can learn from these tiny little beings. So thank you for sharing that part. And you okay. do such a good job of explaining that gentle parenting doesn't mean that you're just letting your child do whatever, but you're really teaching them. You're guiding them. And one of the questions that we got is how do you handle tantrums with Dom? And does it change when you're at home versus when you're in public? Yeah, so um, tantrums, I feel like, is such a general term. When I hear it, I think of a child kicking on the floor, screaming. Um, but when Dom is having a, I call it a big emotion, it can look like crying, hitting, throwing, um, just any kind of behavior that you don't find desirable. He very rarely has, like, quote, big tantrums. Um, and I truly believe it's because we allow and welcomed it, welcome him to have big emotions all day, every day. Um, we are completely open and accept him for how he is, but we are extremely strict with setting boundaries and limits with him too. And I think that's what toddlers need and want. They want to know that you can hold the ground. You can teach him what's right, you know, even though he doesn't want that <laughs> in the moment. Um, do I roll my eyes and say, knock it off? Sometimes. Yes, I do. I've yelled, I've yelled at him. I said, knock it off. And then, you know, days later he'll say, knock it off mama. And, I, and, and you know, I can't get mad because he heard it from me. Um, I am human. And when I'm triggered myself is when I don't handle his emotions well. And I feel like, um, because of how I was brought up and because of how I've handled my emotions in early, you know, in childhood and early adulthood, um, I've really, I've really had like a hard time grasping my triggers and it's something I work on every day. Um, most days I put, so back to your, um, initial question. So how do we handle his tantrums? Most days I try to just take some deep breaths because I feel like I cannot be the one having a hard time when he's doing this because he's having a hard time. So he needs me. So I take some deep breaths and I tell myself he's two. I'm 32. He doesn't know any better and he needs my help. And then I tend to his big emotion. Most time, most times what works for me is simply being present in his feeling. Um, not saying too much. I think people really want um, to talk to their child while they're having these big emotions. And I, I find that the less I say, and the more present I am with my body language is what works best. I get down to his level. I look him in the eyes and I, I wish I could show you, I, I literally have like this body language of empathy. Like I hear you. I see you. I'm so sorry. You're feeling like this. Like that's the body language I try to have. And I try to actually think that too, because to me, his behavior might seem so bizarre and silly, but to him, it's so real and it's so big. And <clears throat> I tell him, I believe you and I'm here for you. And then I just try to just be silent and see what he does. Typically, when I invite his emotion and tell him that I believe him, he will literally just run into my arms and hug me and just cry and then move on. And this can be from anything like 
as simple as I took the marker from him because he was coloring the wall or as big as he wants, or, you know, I don't know, whatever you call simple or big, or, you know, I told him he can't have any more iPad time. And his reaction is typically the same every single time. Sometimes um, he does uh, go off the wall and continues to cry and scream and doesn't want to come hug me. And that's when I know he probably is seeking um, a connection or he's hungry or thirsty or tired. Typically he's tired. Um, once he's calm enough, I'll say to him, you are feeling very angry right now and I'm okay. And it's okay to feel that or whatever emotion he's feeling sad, angry, anxious. And then we take, try to take deep breaths together. That one is hit or miss. Sometimes I'll say, no, I don't want to. And that's it. We move on. We don't dwell on it. I don't, I, I try really hard not to dwell on what just happened and, and he moves on and I move on and that's it. He knows that I'm here for him. He knows his emotion is welcomed and he knows that I'm going to stay firm with my boundary. iPad time is over. iPad time is over. In public, I react almost, I, I would say like 99% of the time the same. I think it's natural to feel like you're being watched and judged when your child is acting out. Um, so my response to him will typically be the same as at home, but definitely a lot more anxiety filled, especially because if you're in a hurry or in your checkout lane or, you know, it's a lot more anxiety filling for me, but I try really hard to stay consistent with how I react with him. Um, usually kids act out in public because they're overstimulated. So I take that into account. Um, I feel like I don't know, owe anybody anything, but I do owe Dominic everything. I'm his caretaker. I'm his mom. He needs me and the looks of judgment will come and go, but his, he will forever carry how I handle his emotions and whether I protected him or not. And sometimes like when we're parenting too, I just realized over time, because I didn't know about gentle parenting quite as much as it's talked about now. I just realized over time, like my kids respond better to this anyway. So like if I escalate and I yell, typically they have even bigger reactions because they're matching my big reaction versus if I can try to take this approach, it seems to go a lot better for all of us. So for me, just like with trial and error, it just started to just make more sense. Um, but I wanted to ask who are some of the gentle parenting experts that you love and recommend in case our listeners are interested to read more or learn more about it? Yeah, for sure. So um, I don't know if these people necessarily call themselves gentle parenting experts, but they're more so like childhood and parenting experts in general. A lot of them are psychiatrists, psychologists, therapists. Um, the way gentle parenting parents is the expert. It's the way that experts preach, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite resources, actually my number one favorite resource is Janet Lansbury. Um, her book, No Bad Kids, is it's a three hour listen on audible or any, you know, if you rent it from the library and it truly opened my eyes to so much. She talks about how and why are these toddlers acting like this, how to handle their emotions. And then 
I love one of her chapters that talks about how to talk to them, how to speak to them, and then how to firmly set limits and boundaries. So I love her. She's absolutely my favorite resource for this type of parenting. I love Dr. Becky Kennedy. She is on Instagram and she's one of my favorites to follow. She actually talks a lot about older kids too. I think her kids are now in school age, but she's a a child psychologist or psychiatrist. I forgive me. I don't know which one, but she does a lot of IGTVs with examples. And then I love Dr. Dan Siegel. He has been on podcasts too. He writes um, books and one of my favorite books from him is The Whole Brain Child. And he has some other ones too. He, The Whole Brain Child is a good insight on understanding what goes on in the mind of a toddler and why they're reacting the way they are. I think one of his chapters was so eye-opening to me. He talks about how why children dwell on scary situations. He used the example of like a child hearing an ambulance and it scared him and the ambulance took his babysitter away. And, and he explains like why that child dwells on it for days and days and days and why it's important not to say, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's important to talk about that scenario until the child is absolutely ready to let it go. So I love him. Um, Yeah. And then I have actually a blog post called gentle parenting resources. I have literally all my favorite books, podcasts, Instagram accounts listed there too. So if people are looking for more resources. Oh, that's amazing. We'll we'll definitely link that in the show notes so that people can get to it super easily. And I just wanted to thank you for sharing about gentle parenting because I know it can be kind of vulnerable if you're not an expert, but like Nina and I and Abby were talking about before we got started is like we need real quote unquote real moms to talk about this and say how they do it so that um, other people find it to to be approachable and not just like in the clouds. But I want to switch gears because our listeners really wanted to get into body confidence with you. So I want to ask, was it a journey for you? When did you start working on it? I love that you own your mid-size body and you talk about confidence now. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a new journey for me. I'm working on it every day and I've never been super confident in my body. I've always, I feel like I've always had the personality and good eyebrows to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't until about one to two years ago that I, I started noticing people asking me, hey, where do you buy your clothes? Can you style them for me. I have a super similar body to you and it really helps me feel confident, etc. And I was so confused. I'm not a fashion blogger at all. Like I'm a super simple, cozy kind of girl. <laughs> um, but I, like everyone else, only ever saw the size zero to two long-legged, everything fits perfectly women on Instagram. And I didn't feel like I fit in that category. And now that I do some like fashion stuff on my page, I do realize like to get that perfect angle and shot and perfect picture, so much goes into it. Nobody look, nobody just stands in front of a mirror and looks like that right away, you know? So it was my community that helped me. They They helped me become more confident in my body and they loved me for me and appreciated me and my body. And it was so weird to me. Like, why do these people think that I need to show off my body and what I wear? 
Um, but women are constantly trying to be prettier and skinnier. And the funny thing is we're doing it for each other. <laughs> we're doing it for other women. Um, and the term midsize didn't really come into my life until recently, probably in the last year or so. Um, and it is extremely difficult to find midsize bloggers. Um, just a side note, midsize is is a woman that's pr- probably like wears a size eight to 16, um, isn't, you know, is a little bit more curvy or, ha- you know, has a little bit more chest and <laughs> a little bit more booty. Um, <sighs> and you don't really find midsize bloggers that confidently strut their stuff. So I show up on social media for the women that feel alone in their bodies. And this, and this has helped me feel better about my body. Um, many days I dislike my body and I'm constantly looking, constantly looking for better angles. I don't know. I don't think I'll ever perfectly be happy. I don't think I'll ever say, wow, I have this killer body, but you know, I'm working on it every single day. And we do talk a lot about body confidence and just self-respect and loving our bodies. If we can ever fully love our bodies on this podcast, I've had a struggle with this in the past, definitely a journey. So for our listeners out there, what advice could you pass along to other women that are learning? Maybe they're just starting this journey to really embrace their bodies. Yes. So acknowledging all of the amazing things that your body does for you every single day. Um, And I know that's easier said than done, but our bodies are incredible. And the other thing is don't compare yourself to other people, which is also way easier said than done. We're all made differently. Um, All of our bodies are different. And then the biggest things that have helped me are to stop looking at the size on the tag because the size of the clothing you're wearing doesn't determine my worth. Um, All clothes fit differently. It's just a number printed on a label. And I started to shop for clothes that feel good on me. I often will size up to, you know, like an extra, extra large for an oversized look. And sometimes a medium fits me just great. And I try not to think twice about what the label says. I try to, I try to look at how I feel in it. And, oh gosh, I've, I used to hang on to clothes for years. Oh, maybe I'll fit into that one more time in life. (laughs) So I started getting rid of the clothes that don't serve my body. I started to get clothes that serve my body um, in the shape and form that it is in. And so I started getting rid of those clothes. I stopped holding on to them and I stopped thinking this may fit again. Um, I started donating it. And then another one, I stopped commenting on other women's bodies. Sometimes I'll slip. I think that's, I think it's natural for us to want to compliment people. This is a hard one. We want to compliment each other um, because of how we're shaped or how we lost weight or how we did this and that. But really commenting on a woman's body, whether you're telling her she looks skinny or she looks fit or she looks this and that. It really just creates a complex for yourself and her, and it um, it makes them feel like you're complimenting on the things that are important, um, but you want to compliment the things that don't define their body. You want to compliment the things that they have control over, and sometimes we don't have control over our body. You can say things like, hey, I love your jacket, or you're rocking this look today. So those are kind of my tips and things that I've tried to do. 
I love those tips. I think that they're super tangible. I know I had the same issue with like clothing sizes. And even if it didn't fit right, I'd be like, nope, that's my size. I'm not going to get a bigger size. And like once you can let that go and everything fits better and you feel confident and no one is seeing that size, it's like it's a whole new world. So I really loved that you shared that. So Nina, truly, there's so much that we could ask you about. You are one interesting woman, and I'm so glad that I made you be my friend. So please let all of our listeners know where they can find you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you stalked me into being your friend. <laughs> it was the best decision you made for Guys, both just us. keep messaging her. She'll, she'll come around. Uh, I'm so grateful Instagram has brought us together. You and Abby both have served me in such a deep way in such a short time. Um, I feel like I can't wait to squeeze you both. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to follow along my motherhood and random life shenanigans, you can find me at Balkanina on Instagram. Um, I have a mom group on Facebook that's incredible called Mama Knows best Balkanina on Facebook and then Balkanina.com is my blog. Thank you again so much. And yes, when it's safe to do so, let's get all these babies together. Let's get all of us together and just give all the hugs that we have been wanting to give for so long. But thank you again so much for being on the podcast today. For those of you who might be new to herself, hit subscribe. We have conversations like this every single week. We'll be in your inbox every Monday and we can't wait for you to join this journey. 